0: How do I get more people to attend my classes? This is probably the most frequently asked question I hear from yoga teachers around the world. In today's episode, you'll hear the story of my first studio class where I had just two people attend for the first six months. That class did end up growing into a room full of people over the course of the 10 years I ended up teaching it. But if I had known then what Amanda McKinney shared in today's episode, I'm confident that the class would have grown a lot more quickly. I do not want you to struggle the way I did in building my classes. I want you to find your people and share yoga with as many of them as possible. I think there's a ton of great advice in today's episode. And if you want to take that information further, I hope you'll check out Amanda's online course, Five Weeks to Confident Yoga Marketing. You can get all the details for that at teachingyoga.net slash marketing. Doors close for the course on February 14th, so jump on this ASAP, and if you're listening later on, you can always check to see the next time the doors open. Before we jump into the conversation, let me tell you a little bit about my guest, Amanda McKinney. She's a marketing coach with a passion for empowering yoga teachers to earn more money doing what they love. She does this through her podcast, Marketing Yoga with Confidence, and her online course, Five Weeks to Confident Yoga Marketing, both of which focus on building confidence and community with an extra dose of encouragement every step of the way. You will hear more about Amanda and how she became a marketing coach for yoga teachers in the conversation, so let's jump right in to talk about how to fill your yoga classes. Amanda, welcome to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me here, Mado. Amanda, one thing that's really interesting about your story is that a lot of people who work with yoga teachers, they come at it from first being a yoga teacher, but you kind of went about it the opposite way. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into
1: coaching yoga teachers on marketing? Sure. I I love it. It's a, such a fun story. And like with most stories, there's twists and turns along the way. You know, I started out in the corporate world. After graduating with my master's, I went right into the corporate world and really thought I was going to climb that corporate ladder. That was like the mission I was on. And I was really pumped about that mission too. I was really excited. I, I kind of learned the game pretty quickly. And It was, I was having a good time, but I quickly got burnt out. And when I say quickly, it was about five years in that I started to feel that burnout. Yet I stayed, I stayed in the corporate world for another almost five years. So I was in for about 10 years. You know, I was in the corporate world and on that hamster wheel. And then all of a sudden, one of the the corporate jobs that I had at the time, I ended up getting laid off me and my whole team got laid off. And in that moment, I decided to take a pause and figure out what I wanted to do. And I, I had worked with a lot of marketing consultants in my, in my corporate days. And I always looked at them and thought, Ooh, I want to do that. I want to work where I can decide when I want to work and who I want to work with and all of that. It always just seemed very appealing to me. So when I decided to strike out on my own, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do and who I wanted to serve, which is much like a brand new yoga teacher, right? Like you just are super excited and you want to teach yoga, but you have no idea what niche you want to declare at that moment. So I feel everyone on that. And I feel everyone that when I talk about niching down, which I talk about all the time, that there's a space in which the journey there's a certain time period in the journey where that doesn't work. You can't really niche down because you don't know. And that's where I was. So I just started working with clients and started recognizing what I like to work with, uh, what certain situations and what I didn't. And what i recognized is that I loved being around yoga teachers. At that point I had jumped back into my yoga practice And so I wasn't a teacher at that point. I had really walked away from my yoga practice in the corporate world. And then when I jumped back into it, i surrounded myself with yoga teachers because I just wanted to be around them. They were so incredible. And then one in particular said to me, which you can see this quote on my website. She said, Amanda, I never knew I was a business owner until you told me I was one. And in that moment, I thought, "Oh my gosh, I have all this information that I could share with yoga teachers, and I would love doing it." So that is when I stepped into my passion, but I didn't know everything about yoga teachers At that point, I knew that I loved yoga as a practitioner. I loved you know going to yoga classes. I really enjoyed being around yoga teachers, but I didn't know that much about yoga. And I had written down at some point that I thought maybe I would go to yoga teacher training just because, again, when you're around it, you hear it all the time. And I'm like, oh, I think it'll be really cool to go. But it would really be for me deepening my practice. I never had a desire to teach. And then when I recognized I want to work with yoga teachers, I thought, this is the perfect opportunity. I can go and learn about yoga, absolutely have the intention of deepening my own practice, learning, but also learning about yoga teachers. So funny enough, when I talk to anyone about marketing, I'll say, you know, get to know your ideal, your dream student. And I am the wrong person to talk to if you ever say, I just don't have enough time to dive in and learn about that person, because I sat in a room for 200 hours learning about my dream student, and I don't regret a single minute of it. It was wonderful, but I'm definitely the wrong person to talk to you about that if someone doesn't have enough time to have a few conversations, which you know all about, because you had lots of conversations with yoga teachers.
0: I had a hundred. Exactly. <laughs> and this is so funny, because I actually just decided today to have another hundred. <gasps>
1: Yay. Oh my gosh. I love it. So I'm
0: going to niche down a little bit and I'm only going to talk to yoga teachers who have a 200 hour training, but not a 300 hour training Ooh. So that space in between. Oh, that's so special. I love it. So anybody who's listening, if you fit that category, I'll put a link in the show notes and you can sign up for a free phone call with me. We'll talk about, your thoughts about the future about whether you want to do a 300 hour training what you want to get out of a 300 hour training etc and whether maybe whether or not you're ready for a 300 hour training
1: that is so neat so are these i'm just asking questions now are these 30 minute calls are they hour calls how do you handle those cuz 100 calls that's a lot yeah i book 30 minutes I try to stick to it. The way that I stick
0: to it is that I book them back to back. So then oh, smart I get to 28 minutes and I'm like, oh, I love talking to you. I really wish we could keep going, but I have another call. And that's, that's how I
1: do it. That's awesome. Oh, I love it so much. Well, I can't wait to help you find those 100 teachers. I'll be posting about it too. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so today you and I are talking about a issue that a lot of yoga teachers in that space I mean, heck, those of us who have years of teaching under our belt, we think about this too, is filling up our classes to help more people. We need people to show up. So that's what you're here to share with us, three steps to help us get people in the door so that we can serve them through teaching them yoga.
1: Yes, this is one of my favorite topics because like you, I talk to yoga teachers about this all the time. There isn't a single yoga teacher that I have worked with that has not said, I need to fill my class or fill my workshop or fill my private client schedule, whatever it is. I get that question all the time. And I'm super excited to say that I have boiled it down to three questions, three steps, however you want me to phrase these. It doesn't matter. There's really three things to figure out. And once you do this, everything gets a lot easier. Now, I will say this, I will have the caveat to all of these things, these are really, it's a little bit easier once you're ready to niche down. It's harder when you're that beginning, like you just graduated yoga teacher training and you're figuring it out, for that person, oh, you're in such a sweet place, and I want you to say yes to everything. I want you to just say yes, take the job, teach the class, and journal about what you like and what you don't, and it's okay not to enjoy teaching every single class. You do not have to. You do not need to feel shame about that. You need to do what you love. So say yes to everything so you can say no to things later. Sometimes I talk to yoga teachers in that space and they are already feeling the
0: pressure to make an income and to figure out a niche. And I really hope that yoga teachers in that place, that they will slow down a little bit and that they will recognize, oh, I'm in this certain season of my teaching. And in this season, I'm still actually a student. And every single time I step in front of the room and I get ready to share my practice and what I know about yoga with this wonderful group of people who showed up to hear me, I'm receiving more than I'm giving at this stage. And so... If you think about it that way, if you think about it, this is my next step of training, then you can relax a little bit about needing to make it a career, needing to choose a niche, and needing to make a certain amount of money. Even if one person shows up, let's say at least for the first six months, probably the first year of your teaching, if one person shows up, you just have an exchange with that person. You give, you receive, and that's a really beautiful relationship that you
1: (laughs) participated in. Oh my gosh. Yes. You just said that so beautifully. And it is, it's all about patience, which is like, oh, so frustrating sometimes because we do, we want things to happen so fast and it's in like this place of, we're just excited. There's nothing bad about it. You know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. We're just excited. We're excited to serve more people. So when one person shows up, gosh, I would also say like, man, this is you practicing one-on-ones. This is a a private session. Get in there and learn so much about that particular person and you just might find that that's who you end up really niching down to serve. When I first
0: started teaching, Amanda, I had one opportunity where I was teaching at a gym and people would just come. And so I had these really full classes at the gym, but I was getting paid like $20 a class, even if people showed up. (laughs) And then I also had a class at a studio where for, I swear, for two years, two people came. Oh. For two years. But we were so connected. Mm Mm-hmm. Me and those two students, occasionally somebody else would drop in, but they were regular and they gave me such a gift by showing up. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm exaggerating. Maybe it was only six months or a year, but
1: (laughs) it felt like two years. years. (laughs) Yes. I can only imagine, you know, I've had... you and I have both both hosted group coaching, like mastermind type of things. And, you know, you always have a goal in mind. And there was one particular season of my coaching where I had a goal in mind of teaching, I think it was either six or eight yoga teachers that I was calling in for this particular group. And I ended up with three. And I decided I'm going to keep running the group program. I'm going to keep going with it. And I'm not going to not do it just because there were three people. And oh my gosh, it ended up being the best group coaching. Like it was so special. Those three people got a little bit more time than I would normally have with everyone on a call and they bonded. It was just a really interesting thing. And so sometimes when we don't meet our numbers, you know, I'm all about setting a goal and trying, working towards that goal. And I talk about it a lot, but sometimes we have to say yes, and just accept what happens along that journey as hard as it is in that moment. So I may have felt like a failure, right? If I had thought, oh, I wanted six people, eight people, whatever it was, but I only had three. Oh my gosh, it was such a gift that it was such a gift. So I totally agree that those, those weird circumstances that we can, we might look at, in a different way can be such gifts. Absolutely.
0: Now that we've put this all in perspective, it actually brings me back to a topic that I think is super important and relevant for yoga teachers, which is applying yoga philosophy to your business. So specifically, Abhyasa and Vairagya. Abhyasa is the consistency of effort, and Vairagya is letting go of the results of that effort. We've talked about the letting go of results a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about the steps. Let's talk about what is the abhyasa? What is the practice to getting more people in your classes so you can help more people?
1: Yes, I love that. Ooh, so good. That was so good, weaving in that philosophy. Good job. (laughs) That was so good. So, okay, my three things, three questions, three steps, whatever, I can phrase them in a few different ways. There are, it comes down to, I'll say the three steps and then I'll kind of walk right through them. And the first is knowing your person, know who your dream student is. So again, if you're not quite there yet, you'll figure it out, you will get there. But once you know who that is, everything gets easier when it comes to filling a class. So knowing your person, you wanna know where that person hangs out. So knowing your platforms in which we'll use for marketing and knowing your message, knowing how they respond to certain words, that sort of thing. So the first being knowing your person. So once you've decided, okay, I want to work with teenagers, right? I want to work with teenagers because they're so stressed and I just want to work with them, which kudos to you, any yoga teacher who just raised their hand and said, that's what they want to do. Like, we need you. We need you in this world. Love you. Love you so much. So If you decide, I wanna work with teenagers, then that's what you have to invest all your time in, and is figuring out how you can speak to those teenagers or the parent who will be paying for that yoga lesson. So there's the thing right there is who is paying, right? There's a lot of yoga teachers that I work with that work with organizations, right? So they'll work within schools or they'll work within a healthcare system. The person being served is different than the person that is paying. So make sure to know who's paying, that's really important. So maybe there's two people in there, is knowing who you're serving and who is paying, because sometimes that is different. So the next thing is where they hang out. And this is something that I actually like to talk about in kind of two ways as well, because I want you to know what is your main platform on and offline because everyone thinks about social media first. If, if your brain just went to Facebook and Instagram, like so did everyone else's, there's no shame in it at all. But we can't forget that word of mouth is the number one way to gain clients, students, however you wanna say it. If you want more people in your class, you have to invite them. You have to invite them. It's amazing how many people, how many yoga teachers that I talk to, and they'll say, Amanda, I really need more people in my class, or I really want more private clients. And I say, okay, great. How many people are you inviting per week to your class? And if you all listening on the podcast could see my face, it would be funnier, but they go, uh, well, uh," ah, and I immediately know the answer is no. You didn't invite anybody, or you invited like one person who said no, and you got nervous and you never invited anyone again. So we need to be inviting people to the party. I use this analogy a lot. It's, you know, we think about marketing as such a, a bad thing, right? Not me. I think it's amazing. But most people think about marketing in such this way that it's this kind of like slimy thing. But no one hesitates to invite people to a party. So invite people to the amazing party that you have in your yoga class or in your yoga offering, whatever it is. So making sure that there's, you pick one platform online that you'll make sure, like that's your go-to place, which needs to be where your person hangs out. So let's say you're really comfortable with Instagram, but your person isn't even on Instagram. It's a waste of your time. You can have fun on Instagram, but you really need to invest more time wherever they are and then not forget about the offline part of it too. So many yoga
0: teachers have this feeling like they are supposed to be on Instagram specifically. Because mm-hmm. I think that there were these few people, which kind of seem like a lot, but in the scheme of things, a few people who really created a whole business from being having a lot of followers on Instagram. And they do, you know, probably make good money and they have they have a niche and their niche is people on Instagram and it's working for them. But Mm -hmm. just because it's working for one person does not mean that you need to follow. In fact, I think it's really, really important for us to do the inner work as yoga teachers of figuring out really who we are, what we stand for and what we're best qualified to help people with so that we make sure that we're not just doing things that we think intellectually are gonna work, but that we're actually following our own dharma and we are blazing our own path and able to speak our truth because if we're not, then why the heck are we even teaching yoga? Like, why are we in this career? If we were just (laughs) trying to make money by following somebody else's path, there's a lot of better ways to do that. If you commit to being a yoga teacher, whether you're a full-time yoga teacher or this is your side hustle, you want to really make sure that you're following your deepest values and your passions in your teaching. And to do that, you can't just copy other people. Yes, you can learn from other people. Yes, you can be guided by other people, but you can't just copy because what's going to work for somebody else is not necessarily going to work for
1: you. It's so true. Oh my gosh. Yes, yes, yes. To all the things you just said, (laughs) that was so good. And I cannot agree more with like knowing what you want and following that passion, the people will come, the money will come too. You know, yes, you have to work. You have to, you know, do the marketing. You have to invite people to the party. But when the passion comes through, When I'm sitting here saying I love my job, like I cannot stop smiling because I have the coolest job ever. I get to coach yoga teachers and help them earn more money doing what they love, which is changing lives. And I fully believe that. I can't even help it. When I meet people, I cannot help but tell what I do. It becomes so easy because it's a passion. And I totally agree with the, if you want to, if you don't, if your person is not on Instagram, please don't be there unless you just want to have fun. That's totally fine. You know, you can have fun on Instagram. And I, most, most yoga teachers do ask me about Instagram, but it's not the only place. So we don't have to do it. We don't have to always
0: be there. What you said is so important because so many yoga teachers are going to say, oh, which social media should I be on? Mm -hmm. And you can't answer that until you first answered the first question, which is who am I Wanting to reach, then you can start to figure out well, where do they actually spend their time? Is it, you know, is it a corporate HR person who is going to be on LinkedIn?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Is it a crafty mom who's going to be on Pinterest? Yep. Is it a grandma who's really just going to be on Facebook Mm -hmm. (laughs) or maybe, maybe no computer at all? That's the only way to figure that out. You have to do that first step first.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I definitely think, I mean, everything becomes easier after that. It is, there's no question about that. And so many yoga teachers really resist niching down. And I am fortunate enough that I have decided, you know, that is who I, I want to work with the yoga teacher who's ready. They're ready. They're like, yes, I have, I am okay niching down. Maybe I need some coaching. Hey, I've got all the encouragement you need when it comes to niching down. But once you're there, like the sky is the limit and it gets so much easier. Like I have seen yoga teachers struggle. Amanda, I'm worried. I like, I can't figure out my website, like the words to use, which I always say words are hard. And we're going to get to that on step number three with the words, but words are hard. And I've worked with so many yoga teachers and they're like, Amanda, my website is so hard. And I don't know what, what words to say. I'm like, I get it. I get you. But let's go back to your person. Let's talk about her. Let's talk about him. Who is that person? And then we start talking about that specific person, the website basically writes itself. Like the person helps you figure out all those words. And then if you've worked with a few of those people, oh my gosh, you're, you're golden because you have testimonials from them and you actually do use their words and those special times where only one person showed up to class and you had that one-on-one time, how did they describe your class? How did they describe when they walked in? That's that transformation that helps the words, but it all comes down to who's your person and really focusing on them. So you said that when you think
0: about knowing your platform, knowing where they hang out, that there's two different angles to that. And the first angle
1: is more about social media. What's the second angle? It is in person. So this is the word of mouth part where people tend to not think about as much because everyone's mind goes to social media. But when we think about what brings more people in, which is word of mouth, brings more people into class, private clients, whatever, we have to think about where they hang out in person. So let's take some of your examples. Is it the mom, right? Like if you're building, and this is specifically if you're um, working locally, obviously if you're not working locally, you're probably thinking more of online overall. So that's kind of a little bit different, but you most likely have something going on locally or something you could, you could put a workshop on every now and then for your local area and you would need this, which is okay, let's talk about that mom. Maybe she's on Pinterest, right? But she's probably also in PTA or, you know, the kids soccer group or something like that. Or, you know, she's a working mom. So she works in corporate world, wherever these moms are, if that's your person, where are they hanging out in person? And so maybe it's, you know, these groups thinking about, Working with a PTA group or a school or something like that or then you use that you use that group to get in front of multiple of your person and maybe you do something special for them maybe you have some sort of a workshop for them and then offer say oh and I do private yoga as well if you're ever interested here's my business card And there's just that way, you know, you can make connections in person so much quicker. The sell cycle is so much shorter when it's in person. I'm not saying everything has to be in person. Online is so important, but we forget about it so much. And you can just make big progress in your business with the in-person marketing.
0: I agree with you 100%. And this is something that I've really learned more and more (laughs) <laughs> the longer I'm in the business. And I'll, am t- going to share a struggle that I have personally, which is that I'm an introvert and it's really hard for me to convince myself to go out and to be, to go places mm-hmm. that takes a lot of energy out of me. Mm-hmm. And so I sometimes I have this kind of envy of more extroverted people who can attend all these different events. And instead of coming home exhausted, that they actually get energized from it. So will you speak a little bit to anything that you would advise differently for introverts and how we can capitalize on the strengths of being introverted versus just (laughs) feeling like
1: we have a handicap? Right. You do not have a handicap. That is for sure. Um, one thing, I have a few different ways, and it just depends on um, what your comfort level is, you know, because I have one of my, I talk about her often, so she, she, um, she hasn't been on my podcast yet, but if you follow me on social, I've talked about her many times. Her name is Jessica, and she's a biz bestie of mine, so I really highly think that everyone should have, you know, business-related friends, so meaning that they're running a business too, and she is an introvert. I am an extrovert, I know that's a huge surprise to everyone listening, but I am an extrovert and she's an introvert. And what she told me about, you know, a few months ago, like maybe it's been more than that, it doesn't matter, but she told me one of her tricks is that she brings me. I didn't even know this, like I didn't even know that I was a part of this plan, but what she does is she invites me places and I introduce her and do all the work because I can't help but talk about her. I think she's amazing. She has a great business. So I do all the work and she hands her business card and she says, great, I'll email you tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. That is really awesome. If, and, and with that, like, I don't know that she feels like totally wiped after the events, but she definitely is not comfortable walking up and introducing herself. So there's where that level could come in. You should bring an extroverted friend because they can't help themselves. That is really, really great outside the box advice. Thank you. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Yes. Another thing to do, I've worked with quite a few yoga teachers on this very specific thing. And one thing to do is, okay, you do not have to do all the things. But what if if I'm going to advise anyone to do anything, it's find one thing a month, one thing a month where you can conserve that energy and you go. But when you go, you go all in and you make it worth it. Do not show up and be like, well, I introduced myself to one person. No, not worth it. Don't even go. Don't use your energy elsewhere because what you need to do is you need to go and say, okay, maybe it's not a huge hundred, 200 person event where I could possibly meet all these people, but it's a concentrated group of 10 people and you are talking to them for an hour, right? Like it's exhausting at the end of that, but it's a group of people who you want to serve. So then it's a concentrated effort and once a month, you can totally do this once a month. You just gear yourself up for it and make it happen. And invite your extroverted
0: friend, yes. and then they will hold you accountable because they won't let you cancel.
1: True, it's very true because she already picked out an outfit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that kind of leads us into step three. Mm-hmm. Yes, so step three is all about the words, and the words are so hard. I feel everyone on this like words are super hard, but like I said, I promise it gets easier the more you know your person. So. And the third step is really knowing your message. So you wanna know your person, you wanna know your platforms and know your message. These are the three things. And so knowing your message is really, you know, that corporate term of elevator pitch. You know, you've got that one sentence that if you're stuck on an elevator for a few floors with someone, you could explain it really quickly. How can you explain what you do as a yoga teacher who you serve or what you serve, because there is, there is somewhat like, yes, you need to know your person, but sometimes that person is someone with back pain. So it's not a woman, 30 to 45, you know, we're not talking about that. It's, it's someone, it's a person experiencing back pain. So know your person or your situation. And how can you explain that in a really succinct way? To someone so that in and of itself if you can come up with your passion statement is what I really like to say it really helps and it takes time there's that patience thing again like it just takes time it's just like deciding on what your what your niche is explaining it is hard too and you can only get to that rock-solid super amazing sentence if you mess up 400 times before you get that perfect one, because it's always going to be tweaked. You know, I use the example of myself a lot. And I started saying, I'm a marketing consultant. And then I was like, I really, like that's so boring. That is not, (laughs) that's not what I wanna say. And I actually remember turning to my friend Jessica, we were at an event, I was probably her extroverted wing lady that day. And I turned to her and I said, I never wanna say I'm a marketing consultant ever again. And she was like oh my gosh well what are you gonna say and so from then on like same night said I'm a marketing strategist which I still thought was pretty boring but it w- was a little bit better and eventually it became I'm a marketing coach for yoga teachers it took so long to get there but it is solid you know exactly what i do. well you know what I do kinda who I serve Most people think when I say marketing coach for yoga teachers, they think I run social media for yoga teachers, which I don't do, by the way. (laughs) It is super clear, and you will probably continue
0: refining it. I mean, at least if my own experience is any kind of uh, prediction, because every time that I land on a statement like that that I feel really good about if I circle back around to it, I'm like, oh no, now, now I need to (laughs) find that again. And that's okay. I think it's more about being in that relationship of considering it, thinking about it, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: actually spending time on it versus, I think it's easy to have this sense of, I should be able to jot this down in about 10 minutes and, be done and then if it doesn't work out that way uh, well this is probably just this is probably not even worthwhile I mean mm-hmm. I can't figure it out anyway I think it's important to have realistic expectations about what the process is like of <laughs> refining your message it's never done you're never done refining but the good thing is that you you will keep getting better if you keep putting energy into it if you keep putting attention on it you will keep getting better and better and I mean how amazing is that that you can take something that was already good and then become amazing
1: at it. Yes, it's so true. And the same thing goes, I will end up talking about websites at some point with all yoga teachers and same thing. Everyone's like, well, I don't wanna wanna tell anyone about it because it's not ready yet. And I'm like, it needs to be live. Make it live. Let's tell your people it's live. You're gonna be tweaking it forever. There is not a day that goes by that I'm like, hmm, my website's perfect. No. (laughs) No, I constantly am updating that thing. So it's because words are hard and it's that refinement. Every time I talk to a yoga teacher, I think, Ooh, maybe that's something I could, I could use that word instead of that word on my website, because that resonates with her more. Sorry for all the guys out there. I totally do have some guy members shout out to you all, but I have more females. I'm glad you said that
0: because I think that there is a really big misconception that yoga teachers have, and not just yoga teachers, anybody who's not in the web development world has about a website that it's like, you hire somebody, you pay them money, and then they magically whip up this perfect site for you, and you just have to send them a few photos. And the truth is that if you're creating a website, if you're going to the trouble and the expense of creating a website, you need to write the words, because the words are the site. If you don't have words on your site, you don't have a site. <laughs> right. And those words will never be done. So you you do need to have some realistic expectations about how much do you want on your site? How much are you going to commit to updating those words? You know, maybe you just want a couple pages and keep it super simple. Yes. And then build on slowly as you as you develop comfort with it. But definitely don't have a huge plan for some site that's gonna stay
1: static because that's not, that's not gonna work. No, it doesn't. It, it's just that whole refinement of everything we say. We never say the same thing over and over and over again, no matter how much we say the thing. It's just like teaching a class. You're not gonna teach, even though you could have the same sequence written, you could have the exact same sequence written. You're going to say it in a different way. You have a different energy in the room. You have a different group of people. You are going to use cues in a different way. And that's why I think yoga teachers are so much further ahead with so of, versus so many other people because yoga teachers use words to make people's body move. Like that's hard work that is so hard to tell someone or encourage someone what to do with their body. You know, I, when I was in yoga teacher training, I thought about it like twister right hand red. Like I was like, okay, this is how I have to, how I have to figure this out because learning to cue a pose was so hard for me. So I use that. Like I cut, I were, marketing words are hard for me anyways because they're hard for everyone but I think they come easier to me. Just like if you put me in front of a class and told me, man, I'm going to need you to sub for me today. I would be sweating. I would be freaking out and I would, I would stumble over my words. I wouldn't know what to say, but if you asked me to teach a marketing class, I could do that. And so it gets easier as you go, but yoga teachers are already so far ahead because you do it every day. That's such a
0: good point. If you think back to what it was like when you first started teaching versus how, what it's like to teach now, your words come much more easily because you've been sharing the same message in slightly different ways for so long. If there's anything that I said today on this podcast or Amanda said today on this podcast that you're like, yes, I really love the way she said that. This is not the first time that either of us <laughs> have talked about any of True. these topics, right? We we've been talking about this stuff. Not that we're perfect at it. No, by no means. <laughs> but you know, if it does resonate, that's awesome. That means that our practice is having some benefit, some effect.
1: Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. It is. It's amazing to think back at that first time teaching a class. I don't know about you, but I had to teach a. I had to teach someone in my class the first weekend yoga teacher training, which was terrifying to me, but so smart. I'm really like, I feel so blessed with the school that I went to. And I feel like I got like the best education. I loved it, but I was terrified. So I remember that each time I ask a yoga teacher to show up on video, to publish their website, to send an email. I remember, I'm like, I was sweating. I remember I was freaking out. That's where you are too. So that's the place I come from, from all of my coaching. And I'll keep pushing and encouragement. But I remember, I remember that uncomfortable feeling. It's okay to do hard things. It is. It is. It's, and it pushes us. We learn so much when we do. Like I learn so much when I mess up because I don't make that mistake again You know, whether, and it's really not a mistake because I learned from it and I moved on, but you learn so much when you do. I'm running a video challenge. You just did the video series, you know, all this video stuff. It's like, I just want you to just start, just start doing the thing. But it is hard to put yourself in a position where you feel uncomfortable. Specifically with technology, is what I'm recognizing is when we don't understand the technology, we really put up that barrier of like, uh, I'm not going to do that because I don't understand. Like too many things could go wrong. But how many things could go right? We sometimes will forget about that. Absolutely. So
0: three steps to fill your classes. Mm-hmm. Know your person, know your platform, and know your message. And keep working and refining all of these. You'll get better at, and better at it. Is there anything else that we're missing? Is there any th- other pieces other details that are important for yoga teachers to
1: think about when it comes to getting people into their class? Well, I think my two favorite things to say are number one, invite people to the party. You know, don't think about marketing as this super scary thing that is gross. You know, I have so many yoga teachers that say to me, I don't want to be famous, which means I don't want to be Instagram famous usually. And I don't want to feel slimy or salesy. Well here's the thing it's you are helping people my dear yoga teacher friend like you are changing the world you are doing things so important so important that it impacted me to want to create a career to help you do the thing that you're doing like you are changing the world in such a great way so you're doing amazing things and you would be doing a disservice to the people who could be benefited by you like what if What if that mom doesn't have a yoga class at the end of the week to have some stress relief in her life? Or what if, you know, the list could go on and on. I could just keep going and stand on the soapbox. But what if you didn't do that? What if you didn't show up to the schools and have some sort of yoga program for students who are freaking stressed out about taking a test and applying to college and doing all these things Or, you know, the corporate executive who really needs a meditation practice because he or she is sitting in a boardroom 90% of the day and is super stressed out and wants to go home and have that decompression time before dealing with family stuff or whatever. The list could go on and on, but what if you didn't do that? You know, that's that to me should, I hope it lights you up and says like, yeah. That's right. What if they didn't do that? I do need to share my story. I do need to share my yoga. And if you can invite them to the party and just see it as, you know, I'm doing this service, I am creating this service for them, and it's going to help them. Like, I think we can shift our mindset a little bit more and think about marketing in not such a bad way. It doesn't have to be gross, it gets to be authentic based on what you want. And then the other thing I would say other than invite people to the party is start today, start before you're ready, start before you feel ready, start ugly. I like to say that a lot. Like my first website was ugly and a lot of my social media. Oh my gosh, please follow me on Instagram. You don't even have to follow me to do this. Go to my Instagram account, scroll all the way to the bottom and see how to start ugly. Have fun with that. (laughs) Great
0: advice, Amanda. If yoga teachers listening want to find out more about you or want to learn how to work with you, how can they find you?
1: What is that Instagram? (laughs) Well, my Instagram is the only thing different from everything else. So Instagram is Amanda McKinney yoga, and then everything else is marketing yoga with confidence. So maybe I'll switch Instagram at some point. And if I do, I'll let you know so you can update it on the show notes. But for now, it's going to stay Amanda McKinney yoga and everything else, my website, my podcast, which you will be on, shout out, can't wait for that episode, and my Facebook group are all Marketing Yoga with Confidence. And working with me, I'm actually changing quite a bit about my business going forward in 2020. So I have a membership site, which is so exciting, and it started with an idea, and it grew into this thing that I just, I'm so incredibly proud of, because the members have made it what it is. It is incredible in there. And the doors will only open three times in 2020. So within that membership will be then where I offer group coaching and one-on-one coaching. So the membership is really how to work with me because if you're in there, then you get access to a lot more. Um, Because I found I want to point to so much of the content I've created so much content on how to use certain platforms, how to have a launch, all these things that are in the membership that I would want to point to if I was coaching someone. Perfect. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for coming
0: on the podcast. This was really interesting and I just love your perspective. So
1: thank you. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. hope you
0: found that conversation to be as helpful as I did. Amanda has a great way of breaking down the information in a way that's super easy to understand and really, really seems doable. So if you want to focus on marketing your yoga, but you struggle with the confidence to show up regularly and invite people to the party, please check out her online course. You can find all the details about it at teachingyoga.net slash marketing. I am an affiliate for the course, so if you sign up through that link, I will get paid a percentage of the cost, but the cost will definitely remain the same for you. I'm extremely picky about which programs and services I will do affiliate promotions for because quality is really important to me. Amanda is really good at what she does, and she operates with a ton of integrity, so I personally highly recommend her program. Again, to check it out, go to teachingyoga.net slash marketing. And whatever else you end up doing this week, please remember to make time for your personal practice. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for the work you do in the world sharing your yoga.